If you have your Bibles this afternoon, Psalm chapter number 18. Book of Psalm chapter number 18. The beginning of every chapter in my Bible, it, it has a, I don't know, I guess it's a, a reference, a, an abstract of what the chapter is basically about. And uh, at the beginning of this chapter, it says, David's Psalm of Thanksgiving for God's manifold marvelous blessings. Then underneath that is the introduction to this psalm. It says to the chief musician, Psalm of David, servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song, in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. It's hard to know what other people are going through whenever you're having a conversation with them. It's hard to know what's on their mind. It's hard to know what's on their heart. As humans, we're expert liars. We can tell you that everything is fine and it not be. We can tell you that everything is awful and it just be us making it up. It's hard to tell what people are going through, especially in the day and time that we live, that, that it's, it's not okay to need help. It's, it's not okay to, to crumble. It's not okay to cry. And that's what the world will tell us. But the, the Bible tells us that, that it's okay to feel helpless. It's okay to feel <laughs> clueless. It's okay to struggle. It, it's, it's okay not to know. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel stressed beyond what you think you can bear. Because we put our faith in something greater than ourselves. It's okay to feel this way because we know that we can't do anything about it. We, we know that we can't handle it. We, and we're not supposed to. <laughs> Psalm chapter number 18 has, has become a uh, a psalm of solace for me in the last few years. Tonight, I want to read a few of the verses to you. Verse number one, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. And in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God and He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry came before Him even unto his ears. The rest of the world may not see what we're going through. The rest of the world may not see what we're struggling with, but God does. Our best friends, our neighbors, our church members, our family, our spouse, our kids may not see what we're going through, may not see what we're struggling with, and even if they do see it, they may not understand it. But God does. In a time in David's life when things got turned upside down, he was anointed as king. Well, first he came out a hero. Came out a hero whenever he slew the giant. He was anointed as king. And then he was running for his life. He had enemies on every front. The king who had praised him before was now hunting him. And David, his entire life had been flipped over upside down. And in amongst this, Following his deliverance from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul, David wrote this psalm. 
He wrote it as a psalm of thanksgiving. But this is more than that. This is a, to, to me, this is a psalm of hope. It says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. You know what the main reason that old men get hurt is? The main reason that old men get hurt. They think they're young men. <coughs> the strength is not exactly where it used to be. You can't bow up on things like you used to be and just manhandle. Well, the good thing about even growing old spiritually is that spiritually we get stronger as we grow old. As we grow up spiritually, we get stronger not because there's, there's anything in us that, that grows or that, that we bulk up. That There's nothing in us. But our faith in God grows. Therefore, His strength for us grows. He said, O oh Lord, You are my strength. You are where I place my trust. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. If we look at each of these words individually, and I had them all written down in my old Bible, uh, a few synonyms of what they all mean. But if we look at these words individually, we see, we see things that we need in our life. Whenever the Bible talks about rocks, and, and gee, the Bible talks about Peter being the rock. The faith of Peter being a rock to build a church on, being that cornerstone. Back in the Bible days, they, they took a rock. And instead of doing like us, what, what we do whenever we go to build something is, is we find us a spot to start. We find us a spot to start, we put up some batter boards, and we move on from there. But that starting point determines everything else. And back in the, back in the biblical days, whenever they would build things, they would start with a cornerstone. They would start with something big, something unmovable, something that is going to be permanent, something that is there, a foundation. Something to begin with. The Lord is my strength and He is my foundation. He is my rock. Something that's not going to move, something that's not going to change, something that we can depend on, something that is permanent, something that everything else can be based off of. The Lord is my rock. My fortress in that, He protects me from everything else. That don't mean that God's not going to allow absolute craziness to happen to us. There's absolute craziness in America today. There's absolute craziness in Washington Parish today. There's absolute craziness in our life today. And do we understand it? No. Are we going to understand it? No. Do we have to understand it? No. We have to have faith in God. We have to depend on Him to be our fortress. God said that He would protect us. He didn't say that He would not allow things to happen to us for our benefit. Now a lot of times Christians get this, Christians get this confused. God didn't say that life would be perfect. God didn't say that life would be easy. Lord knows it's not. He said that He would take care of us through it. He didn't say that He would keep us out of the fire. He said He would walk through the fire with us. He didn't say that. He didn't say that he would turn us loose. He said that he would allow us to grow stronger. Whenever you go to a gym, I know in high school we always had to have spotters whenever you were lifting weights. And if you got down on the on the bench press and, and you went to bench press and you couldn't quite get it up, you had to have a spotter to help you pick it up. That way you didn't hurt yourself. But if that spotter held on to that weight and he picked it up every time you tried to push it up and he held all that weight and you didn't hold any, is it going to do you any good? If you're just sitting there moving your arms but somebody else is picking up all the weight, are you going to grow? 
Did that workout benefit you at all? It's not going to. But whenever God allows us to take some of the weight, it contributes to our spiritual growth. It contributes to our faith. He didn't say that He was going to drop the bar on us. Sometimes it may feel that way. Sometimes it may look that way. But God's not going to drop the bar on us. He's going to help us. He's not going to give us more than we can bear. He is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. So many times whenever we hit trials and troubles, things in our life that we don't understand, we we ask God, deliver me from this. And I use the word from on purpose because a lot of times we'll say, God, get me out of this situation. I don't want to be here anymore. But in the Bible, we find stories of people who God wouldn't remove from the situation, but He would guide them through that situation. Do you think the three Hebrew children that ended up face to face with Nebuchadnezzar, do you think that snuck up on God? Do you think He just was paying attention to somebody else and didn't, didn't pay attention to them being here? That didn't sneak up on God. He knew it was coming. He knew whenever they got sold, uh, whenever they got taken into captivity there at Babylon. He knew whenever Nebuchadnezzar began to get in his mind, hey, I, 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 let, let's, let's build it. Let's build a statue. He knew whenever all that was coming, he knew that those three Hebrew kids was not going to bow down. He knew that there was going to be a fiery furnace, and yet God allowed them to continue. And what did they say? They said, O king, we are not careful to answer you. Our God, whom we serve continually, shall deliver us out of thy hand. 100% will. Did God pull them out of the situation? Did God totally remove them and say, here, here's a better path. Let's just walk this way. It's rosy. No. Nebuchadnezzar looked down in that fire and he said, I see. I see four walking around, loose. And one is likened to the Son of God. God didn't remove them from the situation. God delivered them through the fire. Not from the fire. Through the fire. God is not always going to remove us from the situation, but if we'll have faith and trust in Him, God will deliver us through the situation. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. There are three, I call them sentence stoppers because I revert back to a third grade English teacher. There are three sentence stoppers in this verse. There's a semicolon after I'm a deliverer. There's a semicolon after I will trust and there's a period at the end. The sentence is broken down into three individual parts. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. All those represent God being able to go to battle for us. The second bunch of of phrases here, the the second group says, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. That is dependent upon us. God is only our God if we let Him. God is only our God as long as we believe in Him. God is only our God as long as we stay the course. The term God back in Native American days was considered to be a, a, a form of reference, not always capitalized. They worshipped all of the different forms of 
human thought up gods. But the, the term God was considered to be top priority. Reverence. Whatever God you was praying to, that was the number one. But Ed loves that word. What's that word? Potentate. Loves that word. The number one above all else. Before all others. And that is what God requires to be in our life. If we're going to serve Him, He has to come first. If He's going to he's going to lead and guide our life, he has to come first. If we only think of God on Sundays, he's not first in our life. Because I think of Pine Malt Stands Cookies and Cream Shakes every day. If I think of Pine Malt Stands Cookies and Cream Shake more than I think of God, then that has become my God. That has become my idol. That has become my focus. And whenever the, the psalmist here is saying, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. This is not a temporary thing. This is an all-the-time thing. And if it's cookies and cream shakes, so be it. Just put it down on the list a little bit. Put God first. If it's Krispy Kreme donuts, great. Put it down, you know, fifth or sixth. Put God first. My God, my above all. My strength in whom I depend and whom I trust. A lot of times we get up, and, and I've done it a long time. A lot of times we'll get up in the morning. And we'll get up and we'll get out of bed. And we'll hit the floor running. I'm supposed to be at school somewhere between 7.20 and 7.30 most days. It takes me about 25 minutes to get there. I usually get out of bed about 7 o'clock. Takes me about a minute and a half to get my teeth brushed, get my clothes on. Sometimes two minutes if I'm dragging, and I'm out the door, gone. Half the time I don't wake Bailey up. The other half of the time I trip on my way out trying to get my boots on, and I do wake her up. I don't take an awful lot of time to get dressed. I just and I'm out the door. But so many times in our life, we rush God when we shouldn't. I rush to work because I value my sleep. I want to get every minute. Anybody ever laid in bed looking at your clock? If I fall asleep right now, I can get eight hours and 22 minutes. It can't be just me. I, I do that. If I fall asleep right now, it's down to like six hours and change now. But it used to be eight hours. But we prioritize things like that. Whenever we prioritize God, life becomes so much sweeter. God asked Solomon a question back in his younger days. He asked him, he said, what do you desire? I'll give you anything. Solomon could have asked for everything, but he didn't. He said, I ask for the wisdom to govern your people. The wisdom to lead your people. And God said, okay, all these other things that you didn't ask for, I'm going to give to you because you asked for what was most important. And then everything else was added to it. It ruined him, but it was headed to him anyway. So many times, whenever we begin to think about God, we, we see Him as a, as a being that is disconnected from us. But God, being the Trinity, lives in us as the Holy Spirit. The Son of God, being Jesus, is our personal Savior. He dripped blood down Calvary's cross for me. Personally. 
for you personally. We, we don't see God as some disconnected being that don't have anything to do with us. The song says his eye is on a sparrow. And I know he's watching me. God cares. God pays attention. But we have to prioritize him in our life too. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. This last section comes from a defensive standpoint of battle. My buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, is all defending us from the things around, from the, from the world. In our trouble, in our strife, in our sorrow, God will take care of us. God will defend us. God will lead us through, but we have to allow Him. He is our rock. He is our strength. He is our refuge. He is our Savior. Flip over, if you would, to verse number 30. Continues down. If you get the time to, to go back and read the whole chapter of Psalm 18, it'd be good. We're going to jump down to verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. For who is God? Save the Lord. Who is a rock? Save our God. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me up in high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in mine arms. He hath also given me the shield of thy salvation. Thy right hand holdeth me, and thy gentleness, gentleness hath made me great. God did not promise that He would always allow our life to be easy, but He promised that He would always deliver in our life. I've always found it weird. I've never really paid awful lot of attention to it until a few years ago. Verse number 33 says he maketh my feet like hinds feet. With the exception of just a couple of animals in the animal kingdom, every animal on earth, the strongest feet on the animal is the back feet. With the exception of a very, 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 very few. The strongest limbs on the animal is their hind feet. Whenever he makes that analogy, you have to think of the animals that was available back for, for them to have reference to back in this day, back in David's day. He will strengthen us whenever we need it. But we have to allow Him. We have to prioritize Him. He girdeth me with strength. He maketh my way perfect. He has given me a shield of thy salvation. He has given us the spiritual tools that we need for spiritual warfare. He has given us the guidance. He has given us the absolute truth in His Word. All He asks is that we believe in Him. And He will deliver us through our trials. We don't know what's going on with each other most of the time until we start running our mouth and then everybody knows, right? But on the surface, things look a little bit different. On the surface, you don't ever know. I had a professor in college. He was teaching a sociology class. He was a big guy. I may have told you all about him before. He was probably 6'3", 6'4". Big man. Had a ponytail going all the way down his back. I mean, scary man, what it looked like. He came in there, he ended up being one of the most conservative, Christian-minded people that I've ever seen. But he came in class, he had a shotgun in his hand. 
perfectly legal with a permit on, on that campus at the time. And he walked in, he laid down on his desk up front. He said, if you have a problem with this, you need to be right. And as people began to get up and walk out, he said, open your books to chapter something or other. And he began to teach about the social construct of perception. And perception is all, only what you can see. Perception is only what you can visually tell by looking at somebody. And it's easy to get that wrong. It's easy to get that wrong. I've seen people with tattoos up and down both hands be the biggest evangelist in a group of church people. I've seen people who come out of prison be more willing and able to share the Word than Sunday school teachers. Our perception of our own faith a lot of times is our biggest hindrance. The psalmist says, I will put my faith and trust in God. He is my strength. He is my God. He is my rock. He is my foundation. He is everything to me. I will give it to Him. His perception of God was the foundation that He was standing on. And everything that He was going on and everything that He was facing in the whole world that turned Him upside down, He wasn't worried about that. His eyes was on God. One day I want you to go home and I want you to pick up a chicken. And I want you to try to turn that chicken's head upside down. You won't do it. You won't do it. Chickens can't turn their head upside down. They won't let you. You move that chicken side to side, that head stays the same. <laughs> it does. It's cool. You move that head up and down, the chicken's head stays the same. The whole time, the chicken's head won't move. And if you take and flip that chicken upside down, that chicken will twist his neck to the point that his chin never faces the sky chicken keeps his head straight the whole time. No matter what you do to him, no matter how crazy the rest of his body gets, he keeps his head straight. Straight ahead. He never loses sight. As Christians, we should never lose sight of God. We should never lose sight of our true and honest dependence on Him, regardless of what's going on outside. Regardless of what's happening to our body. We may be losing all our feathers, but our, our eyes are still on God. We may be having to walk through the fire, but our eyes are still on God. Stephen was being stoned to death. And what did he do? He looked into the heavens and saw the face of Jesus. There's a song, and it was in our old book whenever we used to sing. It's called, He Will Roll You Over the Tide. And it's a beautiful song. But when the, the waves of life are, are crashing, when our boat is rocking, Jesus will, put, Jesus will get us over. Jesus will roll us over the tide. Jesus will get us to the point that we need to be. God will take care of us, but we have to keep our eyes on Him. He started off that song. He said, He is my God. Above all else, He is my God. And we can't lose sight of that. Well, we have a verse of the song. Book of First Peter, chapter number two. Book of First Peter, chapter number two. Tonight, I kind of feel like we should have a a prayer service during this service. And before we do, we'd like to look into God's Word. First Peter, chapter two, verse twenty. 
is a very, very interesting verse in that it's not hard to understand. But we've all heard the term, it's easier said than done. And that's a little bit... (laughs) That's a little bit what this verse has kind of meant to me over the last little while. It says, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently? This is acceptable with God. For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. We're all called to suffer on this earth. And it's going to be different types of suffering. Everybody suffers differently. Some people suffer from Mexican food. Other people suffer from working too hard and, and you end up getting sore. Some suffer mentally. Some suffer physically. Some suffer emotionally. And, and some suffer spiritually. But we are promised in this life that we're going to suffer if we live for God. And Peter here says, what glory is it if whenever, you're, whenever you suffer, whenever you're buffeted, and it's your own fault, what good is it doing you if you take that patiently? You earn that, right? If you mess up and your mama whoops you, you earn that whooping. But that second part of the verse is, is what's the, the kicker. It says, but if when ye do well, and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. We're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense. Things that happen in our life, things that happen in our church, things that happen in our family, it's not always going to make sense to us. We're not going to wrap our head around it. And and I've fought with it. I know my dad is fought with losing his dad at, at a young age and 70 is, is a young age still. But we're not called to understand it. We're not called to wrap our head around it. We're not called to question God. We know that He has our best interests at heart. He knows We know that He's looking out for us. And the Bible says that we will suffer. We will be buffeted. But whenever we are buffeted, to take it patiently. Because Christ left us an example. Christ did nothing wrong. He said whenever you do good and you're buffeted, that's when you take it patiently. That's when you take it not charging God for it. That's when you take it trying to look for His outcome, not for ours. Whenever somebody hits you, your first instinct is to hit them back. The first thing that we think about doing is hitting them back. You kill my dog, I kill your cat. That's eye for an eye. That's, that's the way... Human flesh is. That's that's the way our mind works. But if I hit you, I deserve to get hit back. I deserve it. It's nothing surprising. But whenever I do right, whenever I do well, whenever I'm trying and trying and trying to live a life according to God, and I'm still suffering, I'm still hurting, I'm still getting hit, and I didn't do anything to earn it, That's when God tells us to take it patiently. That's when God tells us to rely on Him. Even when we don't get it. Even when it don't make sense. Even when we don't understand it. God says take it patiently. And take it for Him. Whenever it comes to prayer, we understand that that prayer is a lifeline to God. That prayer is, is us reaching out to Him. 
It's us confessing our sins to Him. It's us asking for leadership and guidance in our life. It's us begging and pleading for, for others. It's us carrying our thoughts, concerns, burdens to Him. And whenever we suffer, we can't forget about that. We can't sit here and say, woe is me. One of my favorite things a teacher always did in high school is he would tell you, he'd say, you know what this is? You know what this is? This is the world's tiniest violin playing just for you. Because he didn't want to hear it whenever something was going wrong. Suck it up, buttercup, move on. That's, that was his philosophy about all of it. Suck it up and move on. And that's where I got my philosophy. There's only two kind of problems and we shouldn't worry about either. Because there's the problems that we can do something about and don't worry about it, just go do it. There's the problems we can't do anything about and don't worry about it because you can't do anything about it. And that's where I got my philosophy on that from is, is that, that there's one of two and, and we either can or we can't. The Bible says that we should take our, our prayers, our burdens, our supplications to God. So whenever, whenever things get tough, whenever things get hard, it's for a reason. That there's, there's a reason behind it. Ask God to show us that. Ask God what needs to change in my life. Why, why is this happening to me? Job went to God when all of that happened to him. Job went to God. Whenever Jonah found himself in trouble, he went to God. When Daniel found himself with lions all around him, he went to God. Prayer not only gives us that lifeline to God, but there are conditions of a successful prayer. And whenever things get tough, whenever things get hard, whenever things get crazy, we're supposed to go to God. We're supposed to take it to Him. We're supposed to look to Him. And tonight I want to look at a couple of conditions to taking our prayers to God, taking our, <laughs> taking our troubles, taking our trials, take, taking the things that hit us square in the face, taking them to God. And the first is, is what is God trying to show me? What is God trying to teach me? And, and not everything is always to teach us a lesson. But God said that it all works together for good. It may not always be visible. And we may not always like it. When I was playing basketball in high school, our coach told us to wear ankle weights to jump higher. He tie you a weight, usually a couple of pounds around each ankle, and you, you run around in it all day. And every time you pick your leg up like this number right here, you was exercising, you was lifting weights. So whenever you took them ankle weights off, it felt like you could just jump out of the gym. You couldn't, but it felt like it. But it hurt it hurt a lot. You were sore all the time. But without that soreness, without that pain, there was, there was no increase in strength. There was no gain. And living our life is the same way. Without suffering, without buffeting, how is our faith supposed to grow? And the first condition of prayer that we want to look at tonight is, is what is God trying to show us? What is God trying to teach us? Whenever something happens in my life that, that I don't get, what is God's purpose for? Not what is mine. Now, I can't look at motivation of other people. You ever tried to figure somebody out? I've tried. It didn't work. Whenever we begin to try to figure people out, we step off in the deep end. You're not going to understand people. People that you think that you know, people that you think that you can understand, they'll surprise you. Ooh, they'll surprise you. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. We're not going to understand them. We're not going to figure it out. We shouldn't try. We're not looking for people's motivation. We're not looking for, for their reason for doing things. We're, we're looking for God's. Why did God allow this to happen? 
And not saying it, oh, poor me, why did God let this happen to me? How is God trying to get me to grow through this? He didn't say that he would deliver us out of all temptation. He said that he would deliver us through them. And so the first thing we want to look at is, is whenever we're praying, is, is guidance from God through these types of situations. And in my very short life, I know I'm younger than most of you here. In my short life, I, I've missed a lot of things that God has tried to teach me. And whenever God, you ever, I know most of y'all here probably been squirrel hunting. Whenever you walk up to a tree and it's got one of them big vines coming out of it, it's got squirrel nest right at the top of it. Do you go up there and you just jump up and now start yanking on it all of a sudden? Or, or do you wiggle it just a little bit and see if the squirrel will move? Because if you go jerking on it, then he, he's gone. But if you just wiggle it a little bit, just shake it and look. And then you shake it a little bit harder and look. And then if you still haven't moved, then you jump up and down on it. But you want to get his attention just a little bit. And then if that don't work, you shake a little harder and you try to get his attention a little bit more. And if that don't work, then you show enough to put a beating on that back. And then it'll make you move. Sometimes God acts that way in our life. God will give us a nudge. God will give us a... I hate using the words like this, but God will give us a sign. God will try to lead God and direct us as He sees fit. But we have to see it. We have to catch up on it. I know there's a lot of women in here. Do your husbands or significant others or kids ever pick up on hints and signs that you give them? Did they ever pick up on it? You shake your head, no, I'm not offended. I don't either. Men have a hard time getting signs, signals. Hence, a lot of times as Christians we do. We have a hard time allowing God to get through to us whenever he just shakes the vine a little bit. Whenever he just tries to give us a nudge. And sometimes it takes a show enough pulling on us. Sometimes it takes a show enough waking up. Sometimes we have to go through the lines then. Sometimes we have to go through the fire. But through it all, there's a song my mama made me listen to and I think I've mentioned it before. It's, the name of it is like this. It's a new contemporary song, but, but it's a beautiful song. And the, the chorus goes, I've never had to trust him like this. And the woman's talking about trials that she's been through in her life. And, and through this, she had to trust in God more. Is, is God trying to get us to study our Bible more? Is that the reason that he puts us through these things? Is God trying to get us to join closer together as a family? Is God trying to get us to join closer together as a church? Is God trying to get us to evangelize? Is God trying to get us to give more? Is God trying to get us to pray more? What is the reason behind the things He sends in our life? If we do evil, we, we get a reward for that. But if, but if we're trying to live for Him and we're still suffering, God says take it patiently. But look for the reward that's through. Look for the lesson. There's a shirt somewhere, I don't remember where I seen it, it said everything is a lesson or a blessing. One of the two. And it's up to the way we take it and which one it's going to be. Most lessons can still be blessings, but we have to allow God to speak to us. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14 says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We have to seek after God. We have to seek after His will. We, we can't just have an absolute pity party because that don't, that don't help nobody. And a lot of times that does us more harm than good because we start looking at why is this happening to me and, and, and why is everybody else that's out there living in sin and, and never coming to church and never reading the Bible and, and always cussing and fussing and, and drinking and partying. Why are they living a good life and I'm suffering? 
It's easy to throw a pity party. But God said, look, seek His face. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, You shall seek me and find me, and you shall search for me with all your heart. We have to seek God in everything that we do and everything that we say. In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore I say unto you, that whatsoever things you desire, whatsoever things you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I don't think that, that if we pray to God asking for His direction in our life, I don't believe that He'll leave us hanging. I don't believe that He'll, he'll take that away from us. I believe that if we seek Him, if we seek His guidance, if we seek His will in our life, that He'll give us that. 1 John 3 and 22 says, Whatsoever you ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. Whenever we pray, we have to pray from a heart of contrition. We have to look for God's will. We have to pray seeking Him with our whole heart. We have to pray in faith. We have to pray believing. And we have to pray obeying. And God will show us what we need. God will lead us where we need to go. But He has to be the one to do it. It can't be about me. It can't be about you. It can't be about any individual. It can't be about what other people see. It can't be about the outside world. It has to be about God. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all for. Things that I go through in my life, I look for somebody to blame. Whenever something goes wrong, there's always a group of people standing around. And the one that's smiling, that's the one that's already thought of somebody to blame it on. Every time. I look for somebody to blame it on when something goes wrong in my life. What did I do? What happened? What, 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 where did I go wrong? Sometimes we didn't go wrong. Sometimes God is trying to teach us. Sometimes God is trying to show us. Sometimes God is trying to change us. Sometimes God is trying to grow us. And I pray that, that each and every one of us as individuals, as, as members of our own family, as members of God's family, that we can look at every trial, that we can look at every trouble, that, that we can look at everything that we go through, and that we can see it as a lesson from God. And in that lesson that we can see it as a blessing from God. At this time, we're going to 